glad to have everyone here with us today. As we join in worship this morning, singing praises to the Lord, going to the Lord in prayer and hearing a message from his word, um, and also gathering tithes and offerings towards the end of the service, please stand now and join with me in the reading of God's holy word. Look on the overhead screens. This is from Romans 8. Psalm 86. I'll switch them up. Okay, starting with verse 8. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name, for you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and will honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great, and you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. And let's continue standing as we sing together. Yeah. 
people are a people who are always waiting. We're always looking forward to his glory being revealed at the end of days. That's why we're studying Revelation together. We're going to learn a song that's going to be new to us as a church, probably not new to you, but uh, as you get the sense of it, just go ahead and sing along with us.
this morning as we worship. You may be, you may be seated. Good morning again. I'd like to welcome everyone here for uh, coming to worship with us today, whether you're here in person or online. Uh, if you're worshiping online and you happen to be in the area, we would love to have you come and join us in person. I promise you, you will be thoroughly blessed if you come and join us and worship in person. You will be glad that you did. Um, if you're a first-time guest, we'd like to invite you to please connect uh, Please complete a connect card. You can do that digitally, either with the QR codes on the, the signs and the pews. Also, we have some hard copies. If you're a hard copy person, if you want to do that on paper, uh, out at the Next Steps desk, which is right out the double doors in the middle. Take a left. There's a desk right there. There will be a smiling face waiting to greet you and to give you that form to fill out and to work through that with you. We want to connect with you. We want to find out who you are, what your needs are, what you're looking for in a church, and see if this is a good fit. So we would like to encourage you to please do so. Oh, I think you also get a free gift, too. I'm not quite sure what that is, but it's a free gift, so I would say go get your free gift. <clears throat> Make sure I don't forget anything here. Oh, okay. Uh, next steps. If you're um, um, a member of our church or if you're a guest, we want to help you at Hebron Baptist Church determine what your next step is in growing towards Christ or in your relationship with Christ. So whether that's becoming a member, whether that's connecting with a life group or a D group, I'm a member of both life group and D group, and I thoroughly encourage you, if you're not, please do so. You will be thoroughly blessed and you will um, engage and connect with people on a much deeper level than you do here on Sunday mornings uh, for worship. We just don't have enough time to really connect here like we can and build those relationships that's so important to all of us that we all need. So please take advantage of, of those opportunities if you're not possibly going on a mission trip or maybe your next step is serving in some capacity here at church, and I know we've mentioned those before. We always need help with the children's ministry, and what a tremendous blessing that is, and what an impact you can make on the lives of, of our children here. Uh, we encourage you uh, to connect with this church if you're not a member here. Uh, we hope that um, this might become your, your church family, so we would encourage you to do that. I uh, want to also remind everybody about the empty chair. We talk about this every week for a long time now. So, you know, who's your one? We've, we've been talking about that. If it's your first time here, this is to remind us that we need to invite someone else to join us, whether that's at worship, whether that's uh, at life group, but we need to be praying about who that person is. We need to invite them. Don't know who you may have invited here today, but if they're not here with you today, I would encourage you to um, have them come back um, or have them join you next week <clears throat> and um, also have them come to Life Group as well. Oh, I've lost my place. Sorry about that. Not having it on paper.
where you can tap and be gone. So, forgive me for that. So at this time, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that, that we praise you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the privilege to be here today to worship you, to sing praises to your name. Lord, we pray that as we um, prepare our hearts to hear this message that's been prepared from your word to us today, Lord, we recognize that it's not by mistake that we're here. You're sovereign, there's no coincidences. to be in a relationship with each of us, so much so that you gave your one and only son, Jesus, to take our place as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, just like we've been singing about this morning. And God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent him to be that atoning sacrifice for our sins. Lord, your, your word tells us that if we, confess with our, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And your word calls us to be obedient and faithful to you. We thank you for alerting us of sin in our lives, Lord, and our need for repentance. Lord, we ask you to forgive each one of us as we humbly come before your throne to confess and disclose our sinful practices, repent from our sins, and turn from the things in our lives that rob us from our love for Jesus. Lord, forgive us for the times we don't pursue our relationships with you with zeal and forgive us for sinful thoughts, words, actions, apathy. Forgive us for our sinful pride, for our selfishness, Lord, and for our disobedient to your word. Lord, may we return to you with full devotion to the gospel of Jesus. May we live our lives faithful to you in the spirit according to your standards worthy of the gospel of Christ standing firm in one spirit in one accord contending together for the faith of the gospel may each one of us love you Lord with all our heart with all our soul and with all our minds and Lord we thank you for our core value of meaningful membership we're thankful that you've created us and placed us exactly where you want us to be, building up the body of Christ, fitted and knit together, building our membership up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Because being a church member is meaningful, may we love one another, may we forgive one another, may we pray for one another, serve one another, support one another, care for one another and encourage one another. Lord, may every member reach unity in the faith and knowledge of Jesus, growing into maturity measured by Christ's fullness in us, fully using our spiritual gifts in submission to the Holy Spirit and in cooperation with other believers. Lord, I pray that you'll move our hearts closer to yours 
I pray that we would challenge and encourage each other to be obedient to your word and lovingly hold each other accountable when we fail. Lord, lead us to be leaders for your kingdom, to raise up and send out Bible-loving, Bible-knowing ambassadors for Christ on mission where we are as students, as parents, as business leaders, as friends and neighbors. God, use us as your instruments to be culture changers for your glory. Lord, I pray for hurting families within our church body. I pray that you would continue to work the miracles that you've been doing in Mark Loy's life and continue to strengthen and sustain Renee as she cares for him and prays for him. And we just praise you and thank you for the mighty works that you've done thus far in Mark's life. And just pray that you continue to use Mark and Renee both as witnesses for you, Lord, uh, with the people that they encounter as they continue down this road of recovery. Lord, I pray for the Miller family, for Clay and Hannah. Uh, they've been dealing with so much here lately, Lord. I just pray that they would feel your presence, they'd feel your peace, that you would sustain them, that they would cling to you, Lord, and know that you're in control in, in all things. And Lord, I pray for Frank and Patsy Dobbins as Frank begins his treatments, Lord, I just pray that uh, you would you would heal his body, Lord, according to your will. I pray that um, if maybe 40 treatments aren't necessary, I pray that, that that be reduced. But, Lord, I just pray that your will be done in that instance and that his body would be healed completely. I just pray that you would be with Patsy and sustain her as, as she needs strength, as she cares for um, Frank during this time. Lord, we also pray for Mosaic Multicultural Church in London and their pastor there, Alex Brito. Just pray that you would continue the work that you're doing there, that uh, you would continue to bring more and more people uh, to Christ in and through that church, Lord. Just pray that uh, you would be glorified through Mosaic Multicultural Church. And Father, for your glory, may we experience a great harvest of your people coming to know Jesus and a mighty army boldly going out to the people to lovingly share your word according to your will. Thank you that you bought and purchased our lives through your loving, willing, and obedient Son, Jesus Christ. Father, in all these things, may your will be done for your glory. so faint there we go there's there's my font thank you so uh, Romans 8 beginning with verse 12 so then brothers and sisters we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh you are going to die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live for all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. 
and of children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. It's a reading of God's word. And the good news for us as God's people is that even when we don't feel right, that we don't feel right with God, or we may not think that we are sort of on fire for God at this moment, um, that guilt does not come from the Lord. That guilt comes from the accuser. We can be comforted in knowing that we cry out to God, Abba, Father, that we are his and no one can take us from his hand. Would you stand to your feet and let's sing together about the hope that we have not in ourselves, but in Christ. Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from your wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me
Christ. Amen. Amen.
turn in your copy of God's Word to Revelation chapter 2. Go to the end of your Bible, hang a left, and go to Revelation, that first book you find, and go to the big number 2, and that is where we are. We started a series last week that we introduced uh, how the, the Lord has called us to be faithfully enduring for him until he comes again. Uh, if you want to use the Pew Bible that's in front of you, that's page 1089, 1089, uh, so you could join in the translation that I'll be reading from there. Uh, but faithful endurance is his call. He's saying to a, a church that is under persecution, a church that we know that needs to be faithful, a church that is headed towards the end times, that he says, I will return and I want you to be faithful and I will help you to be faithful. Now, as we talked about that, it was introduced to that. Now we jump into the chapter 2 as, he, as Jesus sent letters through John to seven churches of the ancient world. And in that, he is giving both commendations and encouragements and warnings. And this is for us to then say, how do we faithfully endure? What does that look like? What can we learn that they did right? And what did they what can we learn that they did wrong? And if you look at these seven different letters, these seven churches, the first and last have stark warnings. Uh, the, the second and the sixth are commended, and the middle three are getting worse in descending order. It, it, it makes you realize, one, in the ancient world, these were churches founded by the apostles, founded by Paul, that there aren't perfect churches. And from this is a reminder that we, Christians have been struggling for thousands of years to be faithful. But the challenge is that we don't just give up and say, oh, that's okay, we can do this. The challenge is, is for us to be better and be faithful to Christ. And here we see that we understand that Christ commends the Ephesus church or the church at Ephesus, but he also corrects. And that's the challenge that we have today to look at how we can be commended in our faith, but how we might be corrected. And in this way, do we have the first love that we have for Jesus? That is what this letter is about. So let's, I will read, you follow along with me in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Write to the angel of the church in Ephesus, thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches to the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we ask that your word that is true, trustworthy, Lord, we know as we have prayed, we come to you. And God, I pray that it would reveal our hearts, reveal the truth for us. As was prayed earlier, you are a sovereign God who has us here for this reason, to hear from you. May we sit under you, trust you, repent where is needed, be faithful and encouraged where you are telling us, and Lord, help us to be right by your son, Jesus Christ. And may he lead us today in Jesus' name, amen. Imagine you have an automated spiritual robot. You just walk up, you woke up one day and Amazon had dropped it off in your, 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 uh, your front porch. You know, there's AI bots and there are apps and things to help your life easier. So why not a robot to make your spiritual life better? Uh, this person, uh, this robot or AI or whatever you want to call it, sits in the corner with a nice suit on, has a Bible in one hand and a hymn book in the other, and it sent, its sole purpose is to help you, to encourage you in your faith. And so you start and you say, uh, AI robot, begin a, a great prayer for me this morning. And, and, he be, and this robot or whatever uh, starts and... Uh, its voice sounds like Siri's second cousin, and uh, you just think to yourself this, this prayer, though its content is good, there's just something missing from it. And then later in the day, your, your friend comes by, and you, uh, uh, it sa you say, hey, uh, robot, would you give us some encouraging news from God's Word? And uh, it starts to read from John 3, 16, and and just as it's going, I mean, it's supposed to give the hope of the gospel. It's supposed to give uh, salvation, but it sounds like they're reading a grocery list instead of something from God's Word. You know that it's going through the motions. It's going through what it's supposed to do, but there's just something missing. Isn't that similar to how often that we are, that we ourselves go through the motions of our faith? That we show up at church, we read our Bible, we pray, we do different things, but in the end, we know there's something missing in the heart of the matter. This is the warning to the church at Ephesus. Jesus says you have left the love you had at first. Now, the church at Ephesus was not a church that sat on its laurels. It wasn't a, a church that had wavered doctrinally. It wasn't something that was sitting on the bench, so to speak, of the Christian life. It had an unrivaled legacy, a dynamic ministry. But it was on its way to sure trouble. And Jesus was warning. In verse 4 it says, But I have this against you. And if you're not concerned, if you don't change, I will remove your lampstand. Jesus is saying that the church of Ephesus had majored on many good things, but it had lost its passion for Jesus and the gospel. It was very much like the Titanic who thought they were doing the right things. It's unsinkable, but little did they know that there was trouble up ahead. In the Titanic, no one warned them. Jesus is warning the church at Ephesus and us as well. It was on a spiritual collision course of disaster. Verse 7, it says, 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The letter, the letter was written to the church at Ephesus. It was to be read out loud. It was therefore not just for the elders or the pastors. It wasn't just for the leaders there. It was for all of the church, all of its members, to take a heart check, to be responsible for their love for Jesus. Now, writing, reading this letter is sort of interesting because it's like reading someone else's mail or in our ways, our, someone else's text, private text messages or emails. It makes us uncomfortable, but if the shoe fits, wear it. Does the shoe fit you? Have you abandoned your first love? Do you have everything but the main thing? Well, this is what the Spirit says through the love note that the Lord wrote to the church at Ephesus. What does it say? Verse 1, it says, Write to the angel of the church at Ephesus, thus says the one who holds the seven stars in the right hand and who walks among the golden lampstands. Now again, we need to be reminded that this is apocalyptic language. There is some... Uh, there's some uh, Analogies and things that we need to understand. What is it? Write to the, the, the angel, write to the angel of the church. What did we talk last week? That this angel was a messenger. It was a spiritual being that represented the spiritual nature of the church before Jesus. It wasn't just the pastor. It just wasn't the leader. It was the spiritual nature of the church Jesus, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hands. What, who is this? Jesus is saying, I am the one who holds these seven churches, these seven stars of perfection tightly. The original Greek says that church holds his, uh, Christ holds his church firmly, that it cannot be snatched away. Jesus is saying, I hold you. I am an authority over you. I will not let you go. And secondly, I am walking, present tense, among the seven gold lampstands. In other words, Jesus is among the church. And he's saying, I am not an absentee landlord. I am not someone who gets reports from someone else. I am there. In verse 2, I know. Uh-oh. Jesus knows. Jesus knows what's going on. You know, the church growth movement that we can learn from we we always talk here in our greeters in our welcomers in our deacons that what guests see we need to understand because it is in that that we can understand how welcome we are and what's going on and, and can we do better well friends even more so the real key is what does the lord see when he looks at the church what does this Christ, who is our Savior, protector, vigilant watchman, he knows, he hears, he sees. What does he see? What does Christ see in our worship services, Bible studies, prayer, meetings, our together times, our counseling rooms? What does Jesus see in our offices and parking lots? What does he see in your home? What does he see on the way to home from church? Jesus knows. 
Brother, sister, reminder, the saying goes that you can fool some people all of the time. You can fool all people some of the time, but you can't fool Jesus. He knows. And in this passage, Jesus looks at the church of Ephesus and says, I see good things. I see one very bad thing. And you need to change in this way. Or there's trouble for you. And maybe that's what Jesus is saying for you today. I see good things. But I see one bad thing. And you need to repent. This morning, maybe you will be challenged in your love for Christ. So as we look together, these three things that we see that we can learn from the church at Ephesus are warnings of a loveless church. So number one, if you're taking notes, just look at the good. What is the good? Well, the, the good is that the church was commended for its purity. Verses 2 through 3 and verse 6, we see that Jesus saw many good things. Your works, your labor, your endurance, that you can't tolerate evil people, that you've tested them who are apostles or not, you've called them liars, you have, pers you have persevered, you endured hardships, you have not grown weary. There are nine things that Jesus says, way to go, church at Ephesus. Members of First Baptist Ephesus, you are a great, I know it's a, we know it's a Baptist church, let's be real. And if they didn't know, they know now they're in heaven. It was a First Baptist church. And we know that in this, that they, they were good. They were good at good things. Now, when Jesus wrote or sent the message to the seven churches of the Greco-Roman province, he wrote to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And the first church on the west of Asia Minor that if you were to leave the island of Patmos where John was held was Ephesus. Now it was a rich country, a rich city, diverse with people, a capital of the providence, rich economic strength, diverse population, cultural wealth. It had uh, the worship of Diana, in this, it had a very significant role. And God had used Paul himself to come and begin a church there. So it had not only a rich culture, but it had a rich spiritual history. Now, if you were to walk the halls of First Baptist Ephesus, okay, come on, I'll stop that. Just like us, there is a hallway that we have pictures of our past pastors. If you were to walk down the halls of the church at Ephesus, you would see that their rich history was great. Paul began their work. Not just Paul the plumber, the Paul, Paul, Saul, formerly Saul, Paul who wrote Romans and most of the New Testament, that Paul started the church. Not only that, but who else taught there? Apollos, Guys, we know Apollos. We know that Paul has worked with Paul. He was a great man of faith. He even taught there. What else? Timothy. Timothy. Yes, that Timothy. The one that's in your Bible. That Timothy led at Ephesus. Not only did they have great spiritual leadership, but they had even great laymen and church people. 
Aquila and Priscilla began with Paul there. They were from the foundation of the members of the church that, that encouraged Paul and encouraged the work there. It is a great tradition of faith that even we know and believe that John himself, who wrote this letter, taught there. I mean, friends, we, we could not, we could, we've named many people that we know of great faith. We know that they were good, rich history. But they were also rich in faithfulness. What do we learn? That they were faithful in many ways. Verse 3, I know that you have persevered and endured hardship for the sake of my name and not grown weary. The Christians at Ephesus lived in a very culture apart from Christ, apart from religion. Their, their religion that accepted all went against this church that was, that was, you know, they were backward. They only called for one God and one Savior and one Lord and that their, their Savior who was dead is now alive. They, they looked down upon the Christians. The, the church at Ephesus, their people were, were, uh, were looked down upon, that they were suffered, they were maligned, they were probably boycotted, they were abused, not unlike the Jewish merchants in Berlin in the 1930s, the Ephesus, the church at Ephesus would have faced physical violence, social ostracism, and economic depression. Yet, what did Jesus say? You endured. You faced persecution. And you didn't give up my name. You stood for my name. Not only did that, but the church was theologically and orthodoxically evangelical to the core they were doctrinally sound they were evidences of this they did not tolerate evil they tested people who said I'm an apostle and they'd say oh, oh no you're not we've had those here and you're not one of them they went to them and they asked the important questions important questions that even we should ask today to make sure that they would get their theological exam right what do you believe about Jesus his person and his work what is it, the gospel and how can someone be born again do you believe a holy life should be complementary to our confession in Christ do you teach anything in contrary or addition to the word of God or the witness of the 12 apostles they would have, they would have really made sure that everyone dotted their theological uh, T's and I's they would make sure that they were sound in scripture we get this other evidence in verse 6 when he says, you didn't tolerate the Nicolaitans who I hate. Listen, to, I mean, that's pretty strong, right? Jesus who loved a lot of people, Jesus said, I hate you. These were people who were probably idolatrous and immoral and were using the name of Christ in vain. Jesus said that you knew of them and protected yourself from them. You see, the Ephesian church lived what Peter talked about when he told the church in the first century. In 1 Peter chapter 4, he said, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, and arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. In order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. 
For there was already enough time spent doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying an unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge in the living of the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, that they might live in the Spirit according to God's standards. The church at Ephesus was faithful to God and His standards. Brothers and sisters, do you find yourself devoted faithfully to Christ in this way? There is a siren song of the culture and the world, and it, sing, and it says this, or sings this. It says, make yourself happy. Do your own standard. But what does Jesus and his word say to us? Live for God. Make Him happy. Be faithful to Him and His way. Friends, as the days get harder with persecution and people further away from God, it will be harder for us to remain faithful. And for us, the challenge in what we see in the good at the church of Ephesus are, are we being faithful? Are we being faithful to God and His Word? Are we passing on our faithfulness to the next generation? Dads, are you teaching your children to love God and his word? Yes, moms, you need to do so too. But dads, you are falling away from what the scriptures have called you to do to be the lead spiritual leader in your home to teach your kids to be faithful to God. I am concerned with the sovereign call that is going in our culture, not just to us in our own hearts, but to the next generation. And if we are not faithful now, we are saying to the next generation, good luck. We need to remain faithful now and pass on our faithfulness to them. We can see churches that get turned to the right or to the left. But we must be like the Ephesian church and endure. And brother and sister, I pray for all of us to hold on, hang tight, and be faithful. There was a, a boy who was in Florida, and after school, he wanted to, he had been working, and maybe, I think he was an athlete, he came home from practice, and he wanted to dip in the pond. He was just such in a hurry. He didn't even, he didn't slow down. He maybe threw a, sh maybe a shirt and his shoes, and he just jumped right into the pond, and his mom was watching out the back window, and they were, he was swimming around, and all of a sudden, she saw across the pond was an alligator heading his way. And she ran out the back door, and she was running, screaming, get out, alligator, get out, alligator. And unfortunately, he tried everything he could to get to the side to get out, but the alligator got him. His mom reached out, grabbed hold of him. She was screaming. The alligator was pulling. She was pulling. And thankfully, a nearby farmer heard the screaming, came by, shot the alligator, killed him. He got pulled out, take to the ambulance. Thankfully, praise God, he was just after some, some surgeries and some different things, he was fine. The 
Jesus came and interviewed him. Of course, a young teenage boy showing his scars. He, you know, he, he wanted to show the scars, and he was very proud of the scars. He was showing what the alligator did. I mean, it, it was, you know, he was, it was, he was in danger, but praise God, it wasn't as dangerous as some things could have happened, but he was showing them off, and he said, but can I show, this is what the alligator did. But can I show you something even better? And he pulled up his arm. This is the scars where my mom held on to me. Friends, we need to be holding on to faithfulness just like that. Parents, we should be holding on to our children for faithfulness. Friends, church people, we need to be holding on to our church for faithfulness to God and his word and hold on with a death grip. May our prayer be the words of what Spurgeon says. I know of nothing which I would choose to have as the subject of the ambition for my life than to be kept faithful to my God till death. Brother and sister, may we be faithful. Well, there's number two. I wish I could stay at number one, guys. I really wish I could, and I think Jesus wished he could have stayed there. Number two, the very bad. The church is chastised for its lack of passion. You know, you can do all the right things for all the right reasons, and you can still be wrong. You can do all the right things and still have the wrong reason and be very wrong. You can do 99% of the things right and still be wrong. And that's what Jesus said to his church. Church of Ephesus is doing nine things right and one thing wrong. I mean, Jesus, come on. They're doing pretty good here. I mean, they're on average. They're, they're better than a B. They're probably at a low A minus here. Isn't everything good? Well, Jesus said, this is so offensive to me that I will remove your lampstand if you keep going down this path. Because Jesus cares not just what we do, but the why we do it in. That Jesus cares that not only are we faithful, but we're doing it for the love of him. He says that this church abandoned the love they had at first. That's the offense, verse 4. And it threatens and nullifies everything that they're doing right. Well, we know loving God is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus says that in Matthew 22, 36 to 38. Teacher, what command is the law is the greatest? He said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. So what is the first command that we should do? Love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We should be loving Jesus. We, we should be loving him. We should be loving his word, loving each other, loving Jesus puts all things right in what we do. Jesus said here, these faithful Christians, something went wrong. Something changed. Perhaps it was their cynicism of the enemy of love. Perhaps differing opinions that crowded out their love. Maybe it was that they began do, loving right more than they loved being a conduit of grace and mercy, perhaps they, because they were so focused on the truth of the gospel 
They forgot what it meant to be in love with Jesus. Now, different people have put many different views of this, that, that they had lost their original love for one another, that their love for, they had lost their love for God, their love for the gospel, their love for Christ. There's a sense that we don't need to really split a hair here. It was obviously that, that all of these are interrelated. It is their fervent and passionate love for Jesus that they have lost, their passion for Jesus and his gospel that they could no longer say every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. You know, sometimes right beliefs and right behavior can be a mirage for the faithfulness of our heart. We could be so concerned about going through the motions or doing the right things that we lose our passion, lose our passion for holiness, lose our passion for the love of Jesus. God wants obedience, but he also wants our affection. When I walk into the house and I say, Sarah, here are these flowers. And she goes, oh, sweet, wonderful husband of mine. <laughs> Which is what she says in the house, by the way. She, she says, oh, sweet, wonderful husband of mine. Why did you give these to me? This is so sweet. And I reply, well, I'm supposed to. That's what I'm supposed to do. It kind of ruins those flowers. And let's be honest, I'm probably hit with those flowers if I say that. And in the same way, Jesus doesn't want us to just do religious works or be theologically faithful. He wants us to love him. There's many of us who have said or said that we've gone through the motions that that we have maybe in time lost our passion i was reminded we were talking about school starting and i told sarah i said for six years i ate the same lunch it was a jelly sandwich nothing changed every day a jelly sandwich i can be sure that the first year i ate the jelly sandwich i wasn't as passionate about it in the sixth year same way maybe you've experienced that you've lost the passion in a relationship or for a job or for a sport or for an instrument brother and sister I pray that your love for Jesus never fades that we should be passionate about him passionate about his great commission passionate about our first love that should we should be like the 17th century pastor Samuel Rutherford who says if you saw him who was standing on the shore holding out his arms to welcome you on land you would not only wade through a sea of wrongs but through hell itself to be with him brothers and sisters we should be passionate about Jesus of every day of our life friends I I'll just be honest with you as I read through this this week and just in conversations that I've had with Pastor Mark and others over the last couple of weeks this is what I'm most fearful about for Hebron Baptist Church if we were to look at a picture of ourselves we are a church that runs deep we're a church that could say of what we say of faithful that we're faithful to God and his word, doctrinally sound, that we, we do deep things. Heck, we have a table of deep theological books that will be ravaged up in a second when people know about it. That is not normal. 
we have more seminary graduates in our church body than I have served in a church on staff before sometimes because we have many people who love the Lord and have been trained theologically. Admittedly, I as a pastor and our elders, we preach deeper theologically, more heady. We look to the Word. We have been committed to discipleship. We, we have people in this congregation who have given up their lives, who have traveled across the country, given up their jobs to work for a ministry because they want to love and serve Jesus. And many of these same things could have been said about the church at Ephesus. And we're faithful. We, our church wouldn't let Joel Osteen preach here. We have deep theological conversations in our life groups. We have endured hardship over the last few years. We have called sin, sin. And we have been faithful to God's word. We have, for the last decade, as we have become more faithful, we have had people who said, I don't, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that strong. Say, I'm going to go to somewhere else that is a little bit easier. Brothers and sisters, I can't help but say that the Lord would say to us, well done, Hebrew Baptist Church, in this way. But what I'm most fearful of, of my own heart, of ours, are we in danger of lo losing our first love? With all these deep, theological, carefully faithful Christians, how is our love for Christ? Uh, let me just ask a diagnostic question. Why is it that when we say we love Jesus, but, but when we say we have a, a prayer event or an evangelistic thing where we're going to go share the gospel, it's the least attended thing. When we think about how we do in our everyday life, why are we not inviting our friends, our co-workers, our people in our neighborhood to church that we know that if we invited, they'd probably come. Why are we not concerned about the lost and dying and going to hell? Have we lost our love for Jesus? Have we lost our passion for the Great Commission? Friends, we can be faithful, but if we've lost our love, Jesus says he'll remove our lampstand. Christ knows our heart. What's the condition of yours? And brother and sister, I say that as much to my own heart as to yours, but we can be judged together as a group, but it takes each one of us repenting and looking at our own heart. And the good news that when Jesus said this, he gave us the remedy, number three. Fixing your heart, we must remember, repent, and return. We must remember, repent, and return. Verse 5, Jesus says, Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. The church at Ephesus needed to turn around and go in a different direction to rekindle the passion that they had. How would they do that? Jesus gives us a step-by-step -step or at least some guiding principles. Number one, remember how far you have fallen leading to joy in the gospel. When was the last time that you felt the weight of your guilt 
realizing anew that you had no deals to make, no appeasement to offer, nowhere to flee, that in your sin you had no opportunity to get right with God except for Jesus, who is rich in mercy, who came into your life. When was the last time that you did an accounting measure that you understood how far you are from God? And let's be honest, we all still are, and yet by grace, God loves us, and we get to call him Abba Father. John, who would write in one of his letters, love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Brothers and sisters, do we remember that Jesus himself, God, reached out of the heavens, placed a rock under our feet, upholds a rock of a foundation that we cannot be shaken, that we are fully forgiven, cleansed, sanctified, adopted, justified, welcomed, and in a word, we are mercied in Jesus. Nothing in ourselves. The more we return to that, the more we fall in love with the one who makes it possible, Jesus. Perhaps you've never experienced that. Let me encourage you to think on your sin. And you might say Christianity is weird. Christians do weird things. But let me ask you this very important question. What are you going to do with your sin? How are you going to overcome it? What deal can you possibly make what way can you possibly cleanse yourself what payment are you going to make one day that God will accept you friend I, I'm sorry to tell you this but you have nothing to give it is only by Jesus that you will be cleansed and you'll be saved Brothers and sisters, I urge you to trust in him today. He is our only hope. And this line of thought from God's holiness to our sin, God's justice and his provision, helps us to find our first love. Secondly, we must repent and turn from the things that steal our love for Jesus. Can I tell you something cool that happened in Ephesus? I, this is one of my favorite things that happened. Over in Acts chapter 19 and 20, you get to see the story of how God came through Paul to this area. It's an amazing, go home and read it today. But one of the things that happened in Acts chapter 19, verse 18, and many who became believers came confessing and disclosing their practices, while many of those who were practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. So they calculated the value to be found, 50,000 pieces of silver. In this way, the word of the Lord spread and prevailed. Look, the gospel came, lives were changed. They were saying, I am willing to give it all up because I found these to be the lie. They burned them in front of everybody, acknowledging the fact that they were deep sinners and showing the world that their only hope was Jesus. And I encourage you, brother or sister, that you need to turn and repent from anything that is stealing your joy from Jesus. If you've allowed your job to steal your joy from Jesus, something needs to happen. I don't know what. I, I can't tell you what right now because I don't know your situation. But if it's stealing your attention from Jesus, then something needs to change. 
If you're deep in pornography or, or, or online, it is stealing your joy from Jesus. Whether you realize it now or not, it is going to kill you. You need to repent and run like your hair is on fire away from it. If there's something else that is stealing your joy from Jesus, it's maybe even putting too much weight in your children, or, or maybe it's something else, attention you're getting from social media. It's something that is stealing your joy from Jesus. Friend, run and repent. And finally, returning to the works that you did with full devotion of the gospel. Friends, remember how it used to be, he said, be do these works that you did at first pray pray when it's hard pray when it's easy get in God's word be in life group be in d group tell other people about Jesus Philippians 1 27 through 28 says just one thing as citizens of heavy heaven live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ and whether I come to see you or an absent I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one accord contending together for the faith of the gospel not being frightened in any way by your opponents this is a sign of destruction for them but for of your salvation and this is from God brother sister that we are together doing this is a sign of God at work in us Jesus closes his message here at the end. Let anyone who has ears let him hear. The one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Those of us who overcome this world that seeks to drain your commitment of Jesus, there is the promise of eating from the tree of life and being with him forever. Matthew, this is the same promise Jesus gave in Matthew 24 because of lawlessness lawlessness will multiply the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved brother sister endure in your love for Jesus and meditating on this promise that he will keep us in the end will stoke our passion our love for him Brother and sister, may we not fall out of love with Jesus. May we not go through the motions. May we turn back to the one who saved us. And may we be full on in love with him and endure. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word today. And a reminder to us, may we be commended for the things that you commend us for, but may we repent quickly for the things that we must reject. Father, I pray for those who are here this morning, if they do not know you or have faith in your son Jesus or have a church family that can encourage them in their walk to take their next steps in their love for Jesus, I pray, God, you would convict them to the heart and that today they would say, I'm going to be in love with Jesus and endure and I need him first in my life. But secondly, I need a church around me to help me every step of the way. So God, I pray that you would help us to be faithful and our love for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If you would, let's stand to our feet and confess together our love for Jesus.
grew up here in Atlanta, uh, went away to college. Uh, track uh, was a big influence on my life. I started running when I was eight years old and um, didn't know where I was gonna go, uh, how far I was gonna take it. And uh, I just fell in love with it. Just from that moment, that first day of practice, I was like, man, like, I wanna do this. Like, I, I wanna take this as far as I could take it. At the age of eight, I knew I wanted to be as great as I could possibly be in that sport. And, um, and God was kind to really allow me to experience a lot of success through it from you know, the youth level to the high school level to the collegiate level to even the professional and um, world, world, class, world championship level as well. From there, it was just like, oh wow, I'm living my dream. I'm getting a chance to do it. I remember as an eight year old, what I said I really wanted to do. And, uh, and I'll be honest, like even then, I was very carnal. Like I was, it was very much early on when I first started, it was a lot about me. But man, God was so kind to allow me to have success. I'm sure that was a great testimony, and, uh, and I'm sure it ends in this way. Who's your one? That's how it ends. A uh, great uh, old pastor of mine that impacted me, Adrian Dupre, he was a, a chaplain for the University of South Carolina football team. He impacted me in such a way, he said, if you want to hit Satan in the nose tomorrow, share Jesus. So I encourage you to share Jesus with someone, invite them to church, invite them to Jesus, and we hope that you'll do that this week. A couple quick announcements before we leave. Guests, we were glad that you're here. We encourage you that you've hopefully filled out the Connect card. Just show that to our Next Steps person at the uh, 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 Next Steps desk through the double doors to the immediate left. And I have seen the gift. I know the gift. It's good. You want it. So if it's your first time with us, make sure that you get that today. Uh, and I would encourage you that just to take your next step. Learn, ask about uh, life groups. Some of them are starting this week. Some of them started uh, start after Labor Day. Uh, if you have not signed up, this is for everybody. If you've not signed up for a D group, which means... Uh, with two other people, uh, men with men and women with women, uh, to go through the Bible and be accountable to one another. Uh, talk to them at the next steps. Fill out the card. We're going to start matching people here in the next few, few weeks, and you'll be hearing about that. But we hope that you take your next steps with us and church membership. And one way to do that is our Starting Point New Members class. It's a class that you get to learn about Hebrew and Baptist. How can you become a member? What's the vision of the church? It starts September 10th. And so if you want to be a part of that, you can sign up for that at the Next Steps desk as well. So we hope that you will do that today. Uh, September 10th is going to be a huge day in the life of our church. Not only will that class start, and it goes for three Sundays, but uh, also we're having our church-wide picnic that day. Uh, um, let me start with that one. Uh, if you can, before you leave today, sign up to bring a side dish or dessert today. Uh, before you leave, we're going to provide a pork barbecue. Uh, we're going to have uh, lawn games. We're going to have a great afternoon together uh, September 10th. But before you leave today, please, please, please go across the, the hallway uh, and uh, you'll see Heather Haddo and you'll be able to sign up for what you're going to bring. Uh, and we'll make sure that we know that we have a lot of different things covered. So do that today. Some of you might be gone for Labor Day next weekend. So please do it this week. So we can count on you if you're gone for next week. Uh, also, the 10th, we'll be taking deacon nominations. So be praying now, looking around the room for maybe men in the room who might be 
deacons that you might want to nominate, and we'll be doing that September 10th as well. And also that Sunday, because that is opening weekend of the football season, we'll be encouraging you to wear your, your football you know, outfit or uh, jersey, or you could do college or pro or whatever. Uh, and we'll, we'll allow some of you who are soccer fans to wear your football jersey if you have to. Uh, but this is for American football uh, you can do that on that Sunday morning as well. Uh, now we've worshiped together in the word, through prayer, through song. We worship as we give because we do out, uh, activities like our Back to Church Sunday last week and many different activities throughout the week. Uh, this is our way to give to the Lord. So let's pray as we do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, the reminder that we are to give and that we do so as an act of worship because of who you are, what you've given us through your Son, Jesus, we give back to you. May we, you develop in us a generous spirit, a generous heart, that we faithfully give of what you have given. So Lord, as we give, multiply it also that we might do more outreaches to our community, that we might serve our children and youth in many different ministries in a greater way because of the generosity of our people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.